Yo, 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 what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. It's your boy, Avery Lewis McDougal here. The Edmonton Oilers fall 6-3 to the LA Kings. What a tough, tough night for the Oilers as they started their road trip on the West Coast. But before we get into everything, we got to pay some bills with our friends at Sports Interaction. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, and please play responsibly. Now, on to the show. I want to welcome on a longtime friend of mine, someone who I've known literally since I was, oh gosh, 17, 18 years old. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's been in the bench warmers. He's been in I'm Dying Up Here. You can find that show on Showtime. And he is also the voice of Barry Jelly on the cartoon show at Adult Swim, The Jellies. It's my guy, live from L.A., California, the one, the only, Earl Skakel. Earl, it's how you doing, buddy? Welcome to Game Over, buddy. How you doing, sir? I'm just trying to stay dry right now in L.A. It's uh, We're expected to get four inches tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> You can take that any way you want it, but I mean rain. <laughs> Yo, already. Oh, you know, I'm you. You came strong, Earl. I'm not disappointed one bit. You came strong. I'm 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 glad. And you know, before getting to the hockey, the Oilers and Kings talk, you know, it's an old story. But when we first met in person, and not only talking via the phone or sports radio, Jim Renzi, it was. 2011, the Stanley Cup Finals. We were both in town for an episode of Sports Rage Live. That didn't happen because, unfortunately, Game Renzi infamously uh, broke his foot. Unfortunately, that night. We had a good night, though, at the sports bar when the Canucks won Game 6. And, of course, you know, people were having a good time. But I walked in wearing a Boston Bruins hat to incite the crowd, which recalled very vividly, girl. Yes, you, uh, and, you know, this bar was uh, beyond capacity. Uh, I would say 200 or so Vancouver Canuck fans. Uh, you and your father were the uh, only minorities there. So you uh, decided it would be a good idea to wear a Boston Bruins hat. Uh, so I had to shuffle you through the crowd like a president going uh visiting the border or something so uh not your smartest uh moment avery but i'm glad you've turned your life around of decisions like that and now are a top sports reporter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was all the interesting night that i was i was heckled i was jeered and i think in the third period it got reached over pulled my hat off my head into the crowd, like halfway through a third period. My hat was gone. Never to be seen again. But, you know, yes, I've, oh. I've moved on. I've, I've learned from that moment. And 
get into the game here. The LA Kings, your LA Kings, Earl, win 6-3 to three over the Edmonton Oilers. What are your thoughts on that game? And uh, from the start, the Kings are hot. Four power play goals. A strong offensive performance from the Kings tonight, Earl. Well, I think the Kings and the Oilers, are uh, their rosters are built completely differently. Um, the Oilers uh, are very top-heavy, you know, with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and uh, Hyman, uh, Yamamoto. Uh, and then that's about it, uh, you know, whereas the Kings are built, uh, they're very well balanced. Um, you know, when you look at their roster, they don't necessarily have superstars. Um, I mean, you might say Dowdy, but he's at the tail end of his career. Uh, so they're, they're, you know, like there's good players on each line. Uh, so I think that it'll be interesting to see where these teams go uh, at the trade deadline. I, I think they're both in the running for uh, Jeff Chikrin's kid, Jacob. Uh, and I, you can make a strong argument for uh, both teams to get them and the reasons why. Uh, but uh, the Kings have a lot of firepower. Uh, they don't strike you as that kind of a team because they're not super flashy, but you know, with Kempe and Viala and uh, Velarde, those are three pretty good goal scorers on each line. So uh, it's an exciting time for the King fans. No, of course, a very exciting time. And of course, in this game here, you saw Kim Viala go to a strong start, two goals in this game. And then Andre Kopitar courts his 1,100 point in the NHL. And just, you know, for a minute here, girl, what has it been like as someone who's down there in California watching Andre Kopitar's career? Like, what has it meant to see him? still be one of that team's better forwards and spend the entire career in L.A. when, you know, there were some lean years for the Kings, but he has stayed through thick and thin in California. I mean, he just does his job. You know, he's not flashy. I don't think I've ever seen him in, like, a local TV commercial. So he's kind of anonymous. I mean, you have to be a hockey fan to know who he is. Um, and I think he's okay with, like, that. Um you know, that's the one good thing about L.A. is you can be the best player or one of the best players in the league. And if you're on the Kings, you're kind of anonymous. So I think Kevin Fiala is going through that right now, where in Minnesota, he probably couldn't go to the gas station without being bothered. Here, he could walk down Sunset Boulevard naked. No one's going to know who he is. <laughs> um, but in, in regards to Kopitar, his career is pretty fascinating. I didn't know he had 1,100 points, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he, that's, you know, I think he's about 70 points behind Malkin. I would never would have guessed that they were uh, relatively equal uh, in points. Uh, and he's still good. He's slowed down a little bit for sure. But uh, his body has a lot of mileage hockey-wise on it. So he's still a very effective um, player. And I, I think... At some point, the Kings are hoping Byfield takes the, the mantle from him, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, uh, you know, they're very strong at the center position. Like, you know, if you look at the the depth on just the NHL roster alone, you've got Kopitar, Deneau, Byfield, Lazat. And the scary thing is Kapari, uh, Velarde, and even Kempe are all natural centers. So... Uh, and in uh, Ontario, you've got uh, Turcotte, who was uh, fifth overall two years ago. He was in the Zegers draft. 
and uh, Madden, who we got from uh, Vancouver for Toffoli. So uh, if the Kings do make a deal, I, I would definitely think uh, a center or two will be jettisoned for whatever they deem they need. Interesting. That makes sense. I mentioned Jacob Chickering. Yeah, he's a guy like everybody on the ground was going to want Jacob Chickering. He's a guy who, you know, Edmonton have been talking about him becoming an Oiler. I want, I want him to make, be an Oiler. I want him to be a – I want to see Ken make a deal to bring in Jacob Chickering. L.A. would be a good place. He is a guy which some people say, you know, Earl, oh, he's too offensive. He's too offensive. You can easily go on YouTube and look up Jacob Chickering being so strong defensively in his own end for Arizona. The idea that he's not that great defensively, it's a misnomer. He's great defensively. He can play in his own end effectively as well as give you a goal here and there. Well, I think he reminds me, and I don't think younger fans will know who this is, but like anyone who watched hockey in the late 70s or early 80s, he he very much reminds me of the guy who got me into watching hockey, which is Barry Beck of the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, very high pick. Uh, the Rangers traded, I think, five players for him, which is uh, what is believed Arizona is asking for. At least four first-round either picks or players who were drafted in the first round. So, uh, and like Beck, you know, on paper, Chickren's amazing, but he just can't stay healthy. So, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I think his best asset is his contract, which is the next two years at a, a pretty good rate, like four and a half million dollars, something in that area. Um, and the Kings really, I think you could argue maybe Ottawa, our position the best in terms of prospects. I mean, the Kings almost have too many prospects. <laughs> so I've never said that before about the Kings, but Rob Blake has done an amazing job. At, I mean, you know, you look at their center depth and you've got younger wingers coming up. You've got Kaliev, who's hurt right now. Uh, you've got... Uh, Uh-oh. Think girl froze on me. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the Kings really... Uh... Oh, get one second. We'll try and figure this out in a minute here. But yeah, I think Earl has frozen on me. As he's getting into a really good discussion in terms of the LA Kings prospect and the LA Kings forward group in terms of what they have. And we'll give it a second here. We'll try and... I'll try and message Earl and tell him he's frozen. But <laughs> either... Either Earl is continuing right now in the middle of a great talk, or he's roasting me. I don't know what, but we will try and sort this out in a second here. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh-oh, Earl, Earl, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, yeah, you froze for a second there. Yeah, you froze for like 30 seconds. <laughs> Oh, sure. I mean, the weather is so bad right now. I, I know. It. So uh, I think I uh, got cut off. At, uh, and the Kings also have Bjornport, who they could throw into the mix, uh, who was a first-round pick, uh, left-handed defenseman. Because I'm going to assume the Coyotes want a defenseman back, too. So, um, you know, it's, it's – I don't think too many teams have the assets the Coyotes want or need. No, no. And, you know – um. A good point. A point you mentioned here earlier. Of course, you mentioned you know you're an old you're an older Kings fan. I mean, you're probably you're probably the better you're probably the most interesting man in LA right now in their fifties. I'll give you that. But uh, you you're an older Kings fan. 
you have been bearing hockey in terms of watching it through the 70s and the 80s. What has it been like to see the game's growth in Southern California to which, of course, the forum wasn't really that packed to the Gretzky era to what it is now? What has that been like to see the game growth in California as someone who's lived there your, almost your entire life? I mean, it's been pretty neat because, you know, the Kings in the seven, late 70s and early 80s, they had good teams. You know, maybe arguably the greatest line in hockey history, the Triple Crown line. Um, they just, uh, you know, you got to remember in the 70s and 80s, the NBA finals were literally on tape delay. Mm-hmm. Like Friday nights at, at midnight. So you can imagine what the uh, hockey uh, television uh, presence was <laughs> if that happened to basketball. So uh, uh, they've always had. So, mid 90s, all and Gil, you know, plundering the team. Uh, so badly at one point, uh, the King's equipment companies uh, were not delivering equipment because they, they weren't getting paid. So, um, you know, we've survived. And I mean, in L.A. And, and much the same in Nashville and, and Florida and uh, other Carolina, uh, hockey can be a great sport, but you have to win. You know, if you start losing hockey in L.A., there's just too much to do out here. Um and, and same, you know, Carolina, you've got college sports and, and NASCAR and, and Florida, you've got, you know, the beach and, and college football. So uh, that's, I mean, as long as you win, I think, you know, LA is a great hockey market um, and they're set to win for a very long time. I mean, when Kopitar retires, Byfield hopefully will step in. Um, when Dowdy goes, we've got Brant Clark to step in. So uh, it, it's an exciting time uh, to be a King fan because the future is very bright for us. No, of course it really is. And we saw and we saw what this team could do last year in the playoffs. Even though they lost in the first round Edmonton in seven games, that was a very exciting series. And again, and again now, they're top three in that division with um, Vegas, with Seattle. Some people thought they might have taken a step, they would have taken a step back this year, but they're still among one of the better teams in the Pacific Division. And they may not catch Vegas, but they're playing a win away in which they might certainly block up a top three position in that division arrow. Well, they have great depth. You know, really, I mentioned the forward depth, but, you know, defensively, and he's not going to play for them this year. He's at the nine-game limit, but Brant Clark was uh, equated himself very well in the World Junior. You know, he, he didn't look out of place in the NHL. I think he had a nine-game, and... Uh, you know, did not look overmatched. Uh, so, and with the, uh, we have some goals. I mean, I guess if you had to pick a, a weak area of the organization in terms of depth, it might be goaltending, uh, you know, because quick at some point, you know, will retire or move on to another team. And, uh, but, you know, Copley's come on amazing. And, uh, you know, Peterson, you know, he's not dead yet. You know, he just hit a rough patch and, uh, but he's, he's, you ask any NHL scout about Peterson's abilities, all speak very highly of him. So, uh, and they have several other. Uh, I think Jacob Ingram is uh, a, a goaltending prospect to watch out for. So, um, it, it's I've never seen the team have this much depth at almost every position, except you know left-handed defensemen. They're a little uh, thin on uh, out after Bjornfort and Edler, who 
you know, Adler, great story, but he's probably not going to play past this year. So who knows? No, that's true. That's true. And going back to tonight for a second here, one of the big things I mentioned on the top was the LA Kings. Their power play was amazing. And it, uh, and, it and again, it badly exposed how Edmonton's penalty kill is atrocious. But just wait thoughts on the special teams for the Kings stepping up in a big way and exploiting once again Edmonton's power penalty kill, which just can't get up its own way, Earl. <laughs> well, I mean, the Kings, uh, they have a lot of weapons, you know, and, and it's, you know, and, and we haven't even brought up Arvidsson. Like, he's, uh, Arvidsson's like just one of those players. He doesn't really stand out, but he just does his job. I follow very much the same way. Like, he's not flashy, but, you know, he had a nice goal tonight, and he, he's one of the great puck, you should call him puck hogs in the uh, NHL, where he's always around the puck. And then, you know, Dowdy still is uh, very uh, good on the power play. And, and Dursey doesn't get enough credit. Uh, you know, he's got like 25 points uh, so far this year. And, you know, Kempe and Fiala out there at the same time. And, you know, it's pretty dangerous power play. And, and with Kaliev, he'll be back soon. I mean, Kaliev has a top five shot in the league. Um, so, I mean, he still leads the, uh, Kings and power play goals, I think. And, and, you know, uh, Steve Moore is out. So, uh, you know, it's, they just have so many, they have so much depth that Carl Grundstrom can't break the lineup and he's good. Um, so that's a good problem to have. No, it really is Earl. And you know, Earl, you know, I want to get to comedy for a second. You are someone, you are by far one of my funniest friends in the sports world and, You've crossed over into sports so much. You've done the roasts of Shane Doan, Georgia Rock, the Ric Flair roast. What has it been like? What has it been? What has it meant to you to be called upon to roast these figures in the sports world who are some heavy hitters, man? <laughs> it's not even work. It's fun, you know. And that's that's the dream I think of everyone. Like you doing sports reporting, me getting to roast Ric Flair, and I mean that was like the dream gig, you know. That whole weekend was, you know, you're meeting, you know, all your childhood heroes and, you know, from Lex Luger to Magnum TA to, you know, the, um, the nasty and Eric Bischoff and Jay Lethal and, uh, Jeff Jarrett and all these, uh, you know, the, and they're larger than life guys. Uh, so, and Vicky Guerrero was, it was amazing. And, so it, it's to get to sit there and talk about Vicky Guerrero. I won't say what I said about her because I know it's a family show, but uh, <laughs> and to have her like hug you after and Bully Ray, you know, I was I was a big ECW guy, so uh, you know it was just and Shane Doan it was the same thing, you know. I'm getting to sit there and give Tyson Nash some some guff and uh, you know Shane Doan and George LaRock and. Uh, Ray, uh, who was it? Whitney, uh, not, uh, yeah, Ray Whitney. Uh, he, he, he was awesome to talk to. Darcy Hordachuk was there. Uh, so it was, it was not work at all. It's fun. No, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I watch those specials and yeah, no, what you said, what you said about Doan and, um, and Ric Flair, Guerrero, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll post a link on my own Twitter page because yeah, what do you say? was by far not appropriate for the Steve Dangle podcast network. 
it's stuff, it's stuff you'll see on my show. It's stuff you said on Avery Sports Show and the Brian Avery Hour. But I might get yanked off the air if we repeat these jokes on Game Over Edmonton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my uh, I'm sure some of your fans will look up my uh, humor on YouTube or whatever. Uh, you know, if you want a little bit more, well, I wouldn't say look up roast battle either. Those jokes were pretty wacky too. But uh, oh boy, you know, uh, I'm in the vein of Anthony Jeselnik, uh, Greg Giraldo. You know, it's it's roast type humor. So uh, if you like that, great. If you if you like Dane Cook, you probably won't like me. <laughs> and that's that's not a knock on Dane. You know, if, if some people like the you know, I don't know, ass in the air act outs he does or, or uh, you know, high energy comics like that. Uh, I'm very uh, dry and sarcastic, deadpan. So, uh, you know, it's like music. Some people like Metallica. Some people hate Metallica. That is true. That is true. Although I although I will say as much. I'll say as much for you, Comedy Girl. You are the only, what do you think, only 52-year-old comic who, on a drop of a hat, will gladly... Take off his shirt and jacket and flex his muscle, muscle like you've done on the comedy store at least four, five dozen times. You are known for that. <laughs> yeah, I was doing that stuff long before Burt Kreischer. But, uh, you know, I have a great body and I'm 54. I wish I was 52. Uh, so there's not many 54-year-olds who look like I do. But, you know, I'm not a great comic. I'm a great performer. You know, there's a big difference. So, uh, you know, I have to do all the uh, bells and whistles. I'm like Kiss. You know, I got to have the fire bombs and the lasers and the spitting the blood to cover up for how bad my music is. <laughs> wow. Hey, you know, if, if Kiss is listening to this show, this show's not for you. So sorry about that, Gene. <laughs> I'm a Kiss fan. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, they've had a 50-year career, and even they would probably say they're not the greatest musicians. And I'm saying I'm not the greatest comic, but you will leave any show I'm on, and, and you will remember me all over all the other comics. That That's true. That's a, that's a very good point for knowing you for well over a decade. That's very, very true from the days of watching you on Periscope on a 480p quality phone. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, well, that's the whole point. You know, I'm, I'm a... You know, I'm wearing the skin-tight leather pants. I got the custom-made jackets, the skin-tight 80 shirts that's about a size or at least a size too small. You know, you're going to remember that, and that's the whole point. Hopefully you like the jokes, but at least you'll remember me. That is very true. That's so true. And in terms of your career, I know you also know, you work with some really cool people in terms of, of, of your project. You know, of course, you're the voice of Barry Jelly on the Jellies, and you worked, and you worked on... I'm dying up here on Showtime. You work with Jim Carrey. So what was it like, first of all, work with Jim Carrey? Someone, of course, here in Canada. The man, man's an icon. The man is a legend. What was it like work with Jim on that Showtime project? Uh, he was great. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Jim Carrey is an icon to any comic. Um, and he, he was the reason the show got on the air and, and probably the reason the show got a second season because unfortunately the first season you know the ratings weren't amazing uh but i think because jim carrey stood behind it um you know the showtime was gracious enough to give us a second season and 
you know, I mean, he's one of the great comedy minds of all. And, uh, you know, the show was awesome. It, you know, a lot of people would tell me the show wasn't that funny, but it wasn't really meant to be funny. It was a, it, it wasn't a song. It was more, uh, so the world of stand-up is a very sad world, actually. So, um, you know, it, it's, it covered a lot of, So, uh, you know, uh, you know, the show, it's a, it was a drama. So, and seeing that I've done it for so long, you know, I've lost a lot of my comedy friends, you know, so it's, I enjoyed working on it because I thought it was really accurate. That's very true. Yeah. I, I saw a bit of the show and you're very right though. You're right though. In terms of, of course it was, it took place in the seventies. So it wasn't, it wasn't really meant to be like you've mentioned you're all a, a comedic show, but I thought it was a very, very well done project. And of course you now, you've worked all now animation with Tyler, with Tyler, creator on the jellies. And for those who haven't now seen the jellies, it's gotta be one of the more absurd plot lines in, in animation. A human boy is adopted by a family of squids and Earl plays the, the father, um, Barry Jelly, and as well as it been like to work with Tyler and get into animation, because I think the Jelly is a very, very funny show, not for kids, really, because it, it's an swim show, but it's well as it been like to get into, into animation and be able to get to that level of comedy now in a different, in a different role, where you know, you know, you know, you're not on camera, but we know who you are behind Barry Jelly, the, the father squid. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, Tyler is an he's said man but he's so young he's just a little older than you i think so yeah, uh yes he, he's an amazing like he knows what he wants and he's very nice and uh you know i heard please thank you constantly even when they did something i did that they wouldn't yell at me you know it was, it was a true joy working on the show and um it was a very small crew it, it, it's Tyler, his main writing, his only writing partner, Lionel, his best friend, and uh, to work with Phil Lamar, who uh, played my son in the show. Uh, he's he's a uh, he's the Wayne Gretzky of voiceover artists. Like he's any cartoon you've watched, any animated movie you've watched, he's been in it. So uh, the fact that I got to work with him was like amazing, and you know Carl Jones from the Boondocks. I mean, it was. Uh, he was the main producer. Uh, it, it was like an all-star lineup of people. And, uh, you know, uh, just it, it was, I, you know, we never got canceled. I get asked about that show a lot. It's just, you know, Tyler moved on. Uh, so it, it it's probably not coming back. But, you know, Tyler's so wacky, he, he probably would bring it back just to mess with people. <laughs> you know, yeah, knowing knowing Tyler the Creator and just what he does in terms of TV shows, music, you know, it would shock me if you know he reaches out to you and says, "Hey, you know, let's bring back the Jellies for another season." I would love that. I I enjoyed the show so much. Of course, we'll have things up here before I let you go. We'll let you plug your podcast to Inappropriate Earl. You have had that's a show that's been on on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for quite some time. You've done you've done over three hundred shows, I believe. You interviewed. Uh, other comedians, actors, athletes. It's a great podcast. You did a really good job with that uh, inappropriate world podcast, though. 
Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to get people to come to my house uh, for the in-person interviews. But, of course, during the pandemic, we, we only did Zooms like this. And, uh, you know, I had a WWE referee, uh, Marty, Ellis, uh, Marty Elias, on uh, last week, uh, who he repped uh, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, very famous WrestleMania match. And, uh, you know, I've had David Arquette on and, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Piercy, the singer from the band Rat, uh, many uh, 80s metal stars. And I've had a lot of pro wrestlers on, actors, comics. Uh, and and uh, I'm also doing another podcast right now, uh, the Comedy Store Wrestling. Oh, um, listen to both because it's, uh, you know, it's very, uh, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to get the big guests out there and, uh, you know, we've gotten, uh, some pretty good uh, guests on the comedy store wrestling podcast, you know, and, uh, we're doing a show this Wednesday at the comedy store, uh, AEW is out here, uh, and, uh, basically an AEW comedy show. So that should be fun. Dolph Ziggler's coming in because his brother, the Hollywood hunk is on the show, Ryan Nemeth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I love inappropriate Earl. That's my baby. And uh, the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast is my new baby. I'm like uh, Usher. I just keep having babies. <laughs> so I got to ask you, before I let you go, who's that one guest on either podcast you haven't got on, you haven't got on yet or you want to get on? Like, who's the dream guest for either Inappropriate Earl or the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast? Who's like that one guest? Like, oh, if I get to get this person on, you know, my life would be made as a podcaster. Who's that one guest you're dying to get on some way, somehow? I would say for inappropriate Earl, I would love to do I mean, there's so many, probably Stallone on inappropriate Earl. Cause, mm. uh, I'm such a fan of his that I wouldn't even ask him one question about Rocky or Rambo. There's so many good that really brings up to him. Like the soccer movie with, unfortunately the recently, uh, and it's a great, 1980 movie uh he also has a a really good movie called nighthawks which was uh about uh, terrorism where he's chasing the terrorist rucker hauer another uh, deceased uh, comrade of the uh, hollywood community um over the top of course is one of the, my great guilty pleasure movies <laughs> uh cobra as you know is a, uh, one of my favorite action yes. movies so hammer schwarzenegger uh, would be great. And for the wrestling podcast, uh, I love MJF. He's the main bad guy in AEW. Um, and uh, Kenny Omega, those would be my. And uh, well, I mean, I've already met Ric Flair, but I, like if Ric Flair, you know, was in Los Angeles, uh, you know, Sid Vicious, I think would be a great interview. Nikita Koloff is another one. I would love just bought us now because um, it's just funny to me that Nikita Koloff was so in character uh, as the Russian evil bad guy, but he was actually from Minnesota. <laughs> oh, that, that's keeping kayfabe. That is being dedicated to kayfabe so, like no other wrestler. Oh. Well, there's a really funny clip of him. If you look up Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA signing. And it's when, you know, how sometimes in wrestling they have that 
uh, vignette where they bring the wrestlers in to sign mm-hmm. uh, the contract to fight. Yes. And uh, if you watch it, you've got uh, Magnum TA with his real life mother. And his mother, uh, Magnum TA didn't t- tell his mom that wrestling's fake. <laughs> so you could see her with this petrified look on her face the whole time because, you know, Nikita Koloff at that time was, uh, I don't know, 6'5, 280 pounds. Um, he was actually. He auditioned for uh, Ivan Drago for Rocky IV. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. He was deemed too big. Yeah, he was deemed too big. Um, so at the end of the autograph signing, uh, Nikita Koloff attacks Magnum TA, and you could kind of see Magnum TA's mom start crying, and, and it, she didn't know it was fake. So, uh, you know it's a really funny clip because she looks petrified and you as a fan. And we, obviously we all know it's free to term. I don't like saying fake, but it's, it's not some parts of it. Aren't real. Let's mm-hmm. say it's acting. Yeah. And she had no clue that he's from Minnesota. So it's a really funny clip. And, uh, you know, of course I want to interview Sid vicious about what it was like. Uh, when he first joined the four horse and then they had on RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, that was the, uh, yeah, RoboCop being involved, yeah, in WCW back now. Really it's hard weird. to do. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't think he was good in the four horsemen, but it's like, look at the first feud you gave him a, a fictional robot. It's like, you know. True. That's, that's a very valid point, bro. That's a very valid point. Anyways, we'll wrap things up here on game over Edmonton. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Talk with me about, yeah, comedy, acting, hockey, wrestling. I enjoyed having you on the show. We got to do it again sometime, buddy. Yes, I would love to do it. You're the best, Avery. I'm a big fan of yours. You keep, I'm proud of you for the career you're carving out. And anytime you want me on, just let me know. Of course, sir. Anyways, we'll wrap things up here on the SDPN. Remember gang, if you like the content, Like, subscribe to the channel, and share. Anyways, for Earl, I'm Avery, and we are gone. Talk to you guys next time. Later. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's